You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. Today we are continuing our series that we launched a couple of weeks ago and we're looking at this in all locations of church. Our series this month is called The Pursuit of God. And so this is something that God laid on our hearts a little while ago and it's something as a whole church. So if you're new this morning, we're one church in five locations. So over the last 10, 11 years, uh, we've planted four churches in the beautiful towns of Barnard Castle and Bishop Auckland and Penrith and Workington. And so as a whole church, we're studying this idea of the pursuit of of God. Particularly important as we gather towards our conference at the end of the month because that is the primary purpose of RISE. There's all sorts of other stuff that goes on. It's great to gather the family. It's great that there'll be food trucks and kids fest and youth sessions and some of you only live for the merchandise. All of those things will be at RISE, but its primary purpose is that together as a church, we pursue God that we, we set time aside. And for some of you, I know that's a sacrifice to book time off work or to pay for a ticket or whatever else. But it, it's intentionally setting time aside to say, hey, God, I want to pursue you. I want to meet with you. And so we're excited about that. But actually, every Sunday in our, in our life groups, we're, we're going on this journey of the pursuit of God. What does it mean for us? We're not just learning about the pursuit of God. We're learning how to pursue God. We're not just reading about people in Scripture and learning about their stories. We're actually digging into those stories in Scripture so that we can learn not just about them, but we can learn from them. That's something that can help us because the Bible tells us, 2 Timothy chapter 3, says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable. Another translation says, beneficial for us. So when we open up the Word and we read it, it's not just for our education, it's for our empowerment. It's not just information to give us, it's there to help us in our walk with God so that we can know more about who God is and how we can pursue Him in our daily lives. We're not just studying people and passages for any other reason than to help us in our pursuits, not just as a corporate church, but for us as individuals, what does it mean for your walk with God? What does it mean for your pursuit of God? And so two weeks ago, Pastor Dan was speaking about Jonah, a fantastic message. Then uh, last week, I heard Colleen did a phenomenal job talking about Daniel. And today, we're going to talk about David. And we're going to get into the life of David and discuss and, and, and unpack some things that can help us in our pursuit of God. Many of you will know David in Scripture. You might know him as King David. You might know him as as Shepherd Boy David. You might know him as a worshiper or a warrior or a psalmist. There's all sorts of things that we read about David because in all of Scripture, David is possibly the person that we know the most about because not only do we read about his life and his leadership and his tests and his trials in books like 1 and 2 Samuel and 1 and 2 Chronicles where we read like we do about other people in scripture for David we also have Psalms and David wrote a lot of the Psalms and when we read Psalms we see some of the the inner monologue that's going on with David not just what happened to him but how he felt about it in those moments so we see David in a really unique light in scripture because we don't just see what happened but what he was going through how he was feeling and David had something incredible 
recorded about him in Scripture. Not just about what he did or how he felt, but when we turn to Acts 13, which we'll do in a moment, we realize that David has something incredible written about him because David had a letter of recommendation from God. Now, who knows? That's the kind of thing you want on your CV. If you're applying for a new job, if you, you know, one of the things that we have to do in our role as church is all sorts of things that we do as pastors, and occasionally we get called on to write a letter of recommendation for somebody. You're starting a new job, you need somebody. Everybody else, you know, thinks you're awful, but you, you put on a face when you come to church. So I think you're really nice and trustworthy. So you're like, Pastor, will you write a letter of recommendation for me? Or you're trying to get yourself, your kids into a Christian school, and every October rolls around, and we have to write a letter of recommendation for your children and just turn a blind eye to everything they've done in Hero Factory over the last five years and, and, and just get them into. So if you're writing a letter of recommendation, you are, you're, you're squeezing out, squeezing out is hopefully not the term, but uh, abundantly capturing the wonderful things that happens in somebody's life and, and employing that to an employer. So, so Liam, I'm writing a letter, letter of recommendation for Liam and saying he's a, he's a very generous man. He's a, he's a very hospitable man, and he always renders unto the Lord. And so we write that as a letter of recommendation for, for Liam. If, if Tembo was to have a, a letter written about him, oh, what, what we could say about Mike Tembo. We say he's a great man of God, he's a great father, great husband, and he's got a smile wider than the Humber Bridge. That's what we said about Mike. Where's Samuel? Samuel is over at the back. Here. Give me, just give me a wave, Samuel. So we could talk about Samuel. We could talk about he, he, he's kind. He's nice. He's got a wonderful beard going on, despite what his wife says about his beard. And he makes the best beef kebabs I've ever tasted. And so you can write letters and you, and you pull out some of the things that you know about that person. You say, okay, I hope that you approve of this person. David had a letter of recommendation from God. He beats us in every department on that sense. So Acts chapter 13, let's go to it. Um, we're reading, obviously, in the New Testament. Predominantly, we read about David in the Old Testament. But in Acts chapter 13, the Apostle Paul, he gets up in a synagogue, and, he's, and he starts this message that he's, he's been asked, he's been invited to come and share with the believers. And he starts with a bit of a history lesson, as all good preachers do. And he's going through a little bit of the backstory of what happened in the Old Testament, what happened in the Israelites. And so we'll kind of pick it up halfway through uh, Paul's history lesson, Acts 13 verse 20. So he's gone a bit of a journey already. He says, all of this took about 450 years. So he's summarizing something of what's happened to the Israelites as they wandered and they crossed over into the promised land. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king and he gave them Saul, son of Kish of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. Here we go. God testified concerning him. So God spoke, testified concerning David. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything that I want him to do. What an incredible recommendation that God basically captures uh, the, the essence of what we've been talking about in this series, that David was a man, no matter what was going on, who chose to pursue God that David was a man after God's own heart. That's the kind of reference I want in my life. That's the kind of approval I want in my life. I don't want to live for the approval or the pleasure of other people. What do they think about me? What do they think about me? I want to be known by God as somebody who follows his heart, who's somebody who pursues the things of God, no matter how I feel, no matter what's comfortable or convenient, I've made a choice, I've made a declaration to be somebody who follows after the heart of God. 
And we live in a time where so many people follow after what their feelings tell them or what culture tells them or what's comfortable for them. But David, God is saying in this, voice, in this verse, was set apart to follow after, be somebody who follows after God's heart. So if David is known by this, then surely there's some lessons that we can learn for our lives. If, if David had this recommendation given about his pursuit of God, surely there's something that can help us in our pursuit of God. Now, because of the unique view we have of David in Scripture, uh, we see perhaps more about David of his highlights, but also his lowlights. Now, all of us have got those highlights and lowlights going on. All of us have got the highlights that we love to be able to post on social media and say, hey, look at me, I'm doing these things. Look at how well I'm parenting in this moment. Look at how beautifully decorated my house is. And we've also got the lowlight moments that we hope nobody ever finds out. I saw a great, uh, I saw a great, I think it was a meme on, uh, online the other day that said, every family has got secrets that they hold until, uh, until kids get asked for prayer requests in Sunday school. And you're like, that's right. So all those things you think nobody knows about this, Colleen probably knows them because some kid has said, my mommy has said that my daddy drinks too much. Can you pray for that? And you're like, oh, okay, that's, that's all. So we've all got the highlight moments and we've all got the low light moments, the bits that we hope nobody sees. But what's unique about David is it is written for us here in Scripture. There's no hiding. There's no hiding the hard moments. There's no hiding the low moments because for generations we've been studying the Word of God and saying, David, what were you thinking? David, what were you going through? And when we read it in Scripture... If, if 2 Timothy 3 is to believe that all Scripture is God-breathed, that it's, it's beneficial, it's profitable for us, when we read about the low moments of David's life, it's not written for gossip. It's written for our good. It's written so that we can benefit from it, so that we can learn from it. And there's so many different things that we could get into, and I'm not going to spend a long time focusing on those, those lowlights, if you like, those mistakes that David made. But if you don't know, it involved many different things. That You could get into the mistakes of David, and there's a story that involves murder and betrayal and sex and death. And it's an episode of EastEnders, Hollyoaks, and the only way is Essex, all squeezed into one Bible character. And you're like, and this is the guy? that you want me to pursue. This is the guy that's got some lessons for me to learn. But what's really important when we know those things about David is that when we read in Acts 13 that David was a man after God's own heart, that God spoke that, that God testified about David, that he was a man after God's heart, that verse is written after, after David's big mistake. After those low moments, it's like, well, surely... That's the end of his story. Surely at that point in today's, in today's society, he's getting canceled. Nobody's going to look to him anymore. They're going to take him off all of the profile. They're going to cancel all of his sponsorship ads that he's got with the different sports companies and the TV programs, and you won't find him on daytime TV anymore. And surely this is the end of his story. But when it says that David is a man after God's own heart, it's written after that. And the reason that David wasn't defined by those mistakes is how he pursued God after he messed up. That when he recognized of, okay, I got this wrong. Okay, I've let some people down. Actually, I've let God down. I've let myself down. I've done some major wrong things here. But after that moment, he chose to repent, to ask for forgiveness, to turn away from the way he had been living his life, and to choose to pursue God once again. We're going to read about that. Psalm chapter 51. This is part of, of David's return 
back to God. I'm going to pick out a couple of verses. This is David writing, and you can see in the language here, you can see not just in the language, but in the direction of his life. When he'd been going away from the things of God and all sorts of stuff had gone wrong, and he's literally turning his life around and coming back to God. The very start of Psalm 51, verses 1 and 2, says this, and I love the language of David here, about his position before God, but his understanding of the goodness of God. It says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So there's an openness. There's an honesty in David. He's, he's not trying to cover over the facts and say, well, you're always good, God, and so just forget the things that I've done. He's coming openly and honestly before God and say, I'm full of iniquity. I need cleansing because I'm dirty right now. I've messed up, God. But he's also talking and he's aligning himself with the characteristics of God. He's saying your unfailing love, your great compassion, your ability to wash me clean and forgive me and set me right back on the path. So he's, hum- he's coming humbly before God and honestly before God, but recognizing the character of God, the compassion of God, the unfailing love of God. And then we scroll down to verse 10. This is his prayer. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So the psalm is written all about David's journey back to God. And the reason he's praying this prayer is he's, he recognizes that he's, he's seen a decline in his pursuit of God before, and he wants to get back on track. He's been in the right place before and then allowed all sorts of other stuff in that has taken him in a direction to places that he never intended to be. He's seen the decline. He doesn't want it to happen. And he's saying, God, I'm sick of getting stuck in the cycle. You know, the cycle of behavior, the cycle of sin where it's like, I will never do that. God, would you forgive me? I messed up. I'm sorry, God. And and would you heal me? Would you restore me? And because of God's unfailing love, because of his great compassion, of course, he's abounding in that love and forgiveness towards us. But sometimes it doesn't take long. Sometimes it's hours, minutes, days, weeks, months. And then we've got back into the cycle again. And David's saying, I'm sick of the cycle. I'm sick of the cycle of of, of be good, seek God, pursue the things of God, get a bit distant in my walk with God, mess up majorly and seek God again. And he's saying there's a cycle of sin that's been going on in my life that I need to be broken, that I need to get on a new path that's that's not a cycle, but it's a pursuit. I need to get off this merry-go-round and get on a new path so that I can be, I can be forward-moving in my pursuit of God. And so David's sick of the cycle, and I want to look at four things that can help us from this scripture in our pursuit of God. Wherever we're at on that journey, whether you've been on a journey for a long time of pursuing God, whether you're just starting out in a relationship with God, or whether you feel like you're on the merry-go-round of the cycle of getting stuck in the same patterns, there's four things that I think can help us, and there's more, but I want to look at four that can help us either when we're coming back to God because we've messed up, or just because we're trying to get on a better path because uh, prevention is always better than cure, right? So either way, it can help us on that journey. The first thing is this, is to stay fresh. 
Stay fresh. Verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Create in me a pure heart. David recognizes that when our hearts go stale, so does everything else. That when our hearts get hard towards the things of God, other things in our life get a lot harder to navigate when our heart's not in the right place. And so David is recognizing before God, there's some stuff that I've allowed to get into my heart. And it's harmed my pursuit of God. It's hindered my walk with God. And so he's saying, would you create in me a pure heart? Oh God, he's sick of the staleness. And you know, for many things in life, it's true. Not, not exclusively everything, but for many things in life, this is true. That if you leave something alone, it's health doesn't maintain, its health doesn't increase. For most things, if you leave it alone, its health decreases. You think of that slice of bread that you found at the back of the cupboard. There's a cupboard in church. No matter how many times we look, somehow, and all of the staff and trustees are like, yeah, I know the cupboard. And maybe if you sign up to volunteer to help clean the building for Rise Conference, you too can look in this cupboard and find that somebody keeps leaving bread in this cupboard, and it's found days, weeks, months, years, decades later. And you pull it out, and you don't go, mm, mm, that's going to make me a good jam sandwich. You hold it at the end of your arm, you wrinkle up your nose, and you go and take it to a bin, and somebody says, you can't just put it there, it stinks, and you've got to take it all the way outside to the wheelie bin. Otherwise, Avril Proudlot's going to find it and come after you. She's going to come after you. For most things, health decreases if, if you do nothing with it. Think of a, a perfect car you stick in a garage and you leave it, leave it there for 50 years. Some things are going to be fine, but it's probably not going to start first time because the health decreases. And in our spiritual walk, sometimes we, we've got to the place where things have become stale. And after they become stale, they become hard. And after they become hard, it's hard for them to be used for the purposes of God. And some of us have allowed situations and circumstances, and maybe it's because of something that happened to you. Maybe it's a mistake that you made. Maybe it's just that you've drifted into a season where it's like, I never intended to get to this place in my walk with God, but it's hard and it's stale right now. And we need the prayer of David to say, God, would you create in me a, a pure heart? I want to re- stay fresh in my relationship with you. I don't want to become jaded. I wanna, don't want to become something that was good in the past, but not good for now. David knew that his heart had become unhealthy. That he had allowed things into his life. Perhaps he'd allowed them first into his, into his thought pattern. And, and, and eventually it had become part of his behavior. And eventually it had drifted and become this place where not only had he made these poor decisions, but he'd found himself in a place where he never intended to be in our walk with God. And maybe you would recognize that, that once I was on fire for God, once I was were really involved, once I used to serve, I used to worship, I used to, and now I've just drifted into this place and, and things have become a little bit stale. We need to stay fresh in our pursuit of God. No matter, and this, that's not defined by your age and stage because actually, and I won't point fingers, but there are some people in this room who are much more senior in age than some of you and much more active in their faith. That actually some of the most, some of the most, hmm, I need to be careful with my words. Um, some of the people who you think, where is your faith? Are not older in age. They've just settled and become stale. But when we have this pursuit 
of God, I want to have a pure heart. I want to stay fresh. I want to stay awakened to your purposes, to your leading, to your guiding. It leads us into that place where we can be more effective in our pursuit of God. To keep our hearts pure, we have to stay fresh in our relationship with God. And there's so many different ways that you can do that. And not one of them is some hidden way that's written in the scripture that you've never heard before. It's prayer. It's reading the Bible. It's worship. My my friend Paul Gibbs, that some of you have heard preach before, he would call it spiritual pathways. That actually each of us have different spiritual pathways. They're all taking us towards God. And if you're on one path, and if you really connect with God through worship, that that's how you feel really close to God. That doesn't mean that you never have to read the Bible. But actually some people, if you're like, I need to get fresh in my relationship with God. Stuff's going on. I need to lift my eyes above the hills. How you connect with God is uniquely wired to who you are. So it doesn't mean that just because you connect to God most through worship that you should never read the Bible, that you should never pray, that you should never go to church, because all of those things are beneficial pathways to you. We could call them today paths of pursuit, different ways that you use to connect most with God. And some of you, it's not worship. That actually, if, you, if you're feeling dry, if you're feeling stale, it's like, I need a fresh word from God. Some of you, it's Bible study. You get so deep into the word of God. I don't just want to read it. I want to delve in. I want to know the history. I want to know the context. I want to know the original language and the intention that it had. And that's what fires you up. For others of you, it's prayer. For others of you, when we talk about prayer and 24 hours of prayer, you're like, can't it be 26? Can't it be 27? Where's your faith? I need 48 hours of prayer. And others of you are like, I have to pray for more than two minutes. But for some of you, it's prayer. That's how you pursue the presence of God. You need to find what's your path of pursuit. What are the ways that when you feel dry, when you're starting to get stale, you can say, I'm going to make a decision right now to have a fresh heart, to have a pure heart before God, to pursue the things of God in our life. The second thing is this, to stay focused. Second part of that verse 10, create me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Some of you know that word really well. We talked about it uh, to our uh, LDN leaders a while ago about steadfast leadership. The word steadfast means to be committed, to be dedicated, to be loyal, or to be reliable. Another understanding of the word steadfast when it's written here in Scripture is to be unwavering in our devotion. That's really great. To be unwavering in our devotion towards God. God is looking for a a steadfast spirit within us. We have to stay focused. We have to stay loyal. We have to stay committed. We have to stay dedicated. We have to stay reliable and devoted to the things of God. But I don't know about you, I'm very guilty of being easily distracted. Come on, anybody else easily distracted this morning? It was on every one of my school reports. No matter what age, no matter what lesson, there'll be some comment about my academic high achievements or my low achievements. But whatever it was, at the end of the report, it would say something along the lines of, Ben is too easily distracted. And I'd like to let you know that as I've matured, as I've grown, as I've taken on responsible roles within the local church, I've become a professional at being distracted. Now, now, it can take me off for hours at a time. Not, not as bad as Pastor Ed. Some of you know Pastor Ed Winbow, who, when we were socially distant in our offices in COVID, had to go and work backstage in the dressing room. We just banished him back there. He still dwells there. He's not there right now. He's not like a hobbit that we just bring out occasionally. 
But when he works in church, he gets so easily distracted that he has to hide backstage. And I'm the same. I've got a nice office here. So if I'm preparing a sermon for church, the office, it's my office. That should be where I go to write an office. Way too easily distracted. I'm looking out the window. I'm thinking, who's that in the foyer? It's a booming voice. Must be Johnny Staley bringing in some storehouse food. Or oh, I've heard that Tambo's coming. Who's on the phone today? I'm so easily distracted. So I have to go up to one of the Hero Factory floors, sit amongst the toys, which you'd think would be distractions, but zone in there to, to okay, I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to prepare the message that I've got. And actually, that's really important for each of us in, in our pursuit of God, in your daily devotions, in your quiet time, whatever it means for you to pursue God on a daily basis. It's important that we find sometimes a physical space where we're intentional about meeting with God, where we're focused. Some of you, I, I know some people work really well with this, that your environment helps to define what you do. So there's a certain chair. Some of you, when I go and sit in that chair in my dining room, that's when I'm spending time with God. Others of you, it's a, it's a corner in your bedroom or you go out for a walk in nature or there's so much chaos in your house that you just have to sit in the car on the drive outside. I'd encourage you to find a, even a physical space and certainly... A, a, a physical time, if you can say it that way, where you say, I am setting this time aside and I'm going to focus on growing in God. I'm going to focus on my pursuit of God. Could be at that point that you spend 15 minutes, you put on a, put on a worship playlist and you just worship it. I'm just going to get into the presence of God. So, could be that you spread out all of these different Bibles and commentaries and, 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 and in-depth ways of helping you to study. Some of you could be just 10 minutes on your knees in prayer before God. Find a place... And find a focus of in this moment, I'm choosing to pursue God. I'm choosing to focus myself on the things of God. Because focus is not just about eliminating the distractions, but it's about what we heard earlier from Sharon. It's about our intentionality. The one we've set that time aside, it's not just, okay, I've eliminated all of the distractions. I've sat in my chair. I've got rid of the kids. But it's in that moment saying, God, I want to meet with you here. As I read your word, God, I pray that you would illuminate it to my life. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God, I'm walking through some stuff in my family right now. I'm walking through some stuff in my career choices, and I can't see a way forward. As I sit here, I'm going to pray that your word will become a lamp to my feet. Or we get before him in prayer, and we come, and we say, God, I'm asking you for this. I'm believing it. Like you've healed other people, God, I'm believing for your healing for me or for this person. Let's come with intentionality before God in our pursuit of of him. A steadfast spirit comes from focused time with God. So we have to stay focused. Number three, stay fueled. Verse 11, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Remember David's in a really low point in his life and he's feeling like, God, have I messed up too much is this it for me? Has my, has my story stopped being told? And he realizes that the greatest thing that he needs in order to continue being fruitful in his life is he needs the Holy Spirit. He needs to be fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the presence of God in his life. Do not cast your presence from me or take your Holy Spirit from me. And if we can say it this way, if, if your life is like the engine of a car or like a car itself, and there's a journey, there's a pursuit, there's an adventure that you're going on in the things of God, the Holy Spirit is your fuel. The Holy Spirit is the thing that no matter how shiny the outside looks like, if there's no fuel inside, you're not going anywhere. It might look good to everybody else, but it's of no use and it can make no progress 
unless there's fuel inside. And sometimes your fuel tank's full, and sometimes it's, it's a little bit lower. And, and, and for some of you, to fill it up, it's those, it's those different pathways of pursuit. It's spending more time in the presence of God. It's, it's studying more. It's, it's praying more. It, it's committing to, actually, church isn't just going to be something that I do occasionally. I'm going to build it in as a priority in my life. There's different pathways that we take, but the fuel of all of those things is the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. That if you want to keep going... You have to stay fueled. And when I'm, when I'm in my car, there's, there's, a, there's a game that I sometimes play in my car. And, and, and this is a game that you can play on your own. You don't need other people in your car. You don't even need other cars around. Some of you play I Spy. You play Yellow Car. You play Slugbug. There's all things that you can play when you're in a car. This is a game that you can play totally on your own. Don't need other people with you. You can be on a, on a solo road. There's nothing else around to see. There's a game that some of you have played in your car of what runs out first, my guts or my fuel tank. Anybody played the game? It's like, okay, it says there's five miles left on the tank but I reckon I can get 15. It says no miles left on the fuel tank, but I'm at home and the petrol station's down on Victoria Road. There's always somebody that you pass from church along the way. They could give me a push if I need to, but my confidence or my blind arrogance says I can make it on this fuel tank. I can make it on, on, on the fumes. And, uh, and, and sometimes I win and sometimes I lose. And as modern technology has got better and it tells you how many towns left, I win more often than I used to use. I've got terrible stories of being broken down in all sorts of places. And the issue being, yeah, I thought I could, I could, thought I could get further on the empty tank. But we play the game sometimes, but it's way too dangerous a game to play with our faith. And if we're honest, sometimes what happens in, in our relationship with God, what happens in our pursuit of God, is that we're running on empty. We're running on the fumes of that last prayer meeting. You're running on that, that encounter that you had at Rise Conference in 2022. And wasn't it good? And wasn't God great? And wasn't that a significant weekend? Absolutely. But you can't, you can't risk waiting until conference in 2023. You need to stay fueled. You need to stay in pursuit of the presence of God in your daily life. When it comes to being fueled with the Holy Spirit, if we're running on empty... We might be still going, but how long can we keep going at this rate? We might look fine to everybody else, and you show up at church, and they look good, they smell good, they're absolutely perfect Christians. Look how high they raise their hands in worship. But you know there's, there's everything going on the outside, but not much going on on the inside. And we have to stay fueled. Because here's the thing, not all of us are, are called to be worship leaders, and praise the Lord for some of you, that you're not called to be a worship leader this morning. I'm very thankful that that's not one of the anointings that God has placed upon my life, and not all of us have the, the calling or the gifting or the singing ability to, you know, to lead others in worship, yet every one of us can lead ourselves into the presence of God. Every one of us is called to be a worship leader. And some of you will never lead others in worship because it would lead them away from the things of God if you got up here and sang on the microphone. But you're still called to be a worship leader, even if it's just to yourself. If I'm low right now, I'm empty right now, I'm running on fumes right now, and rather than waiting for, well, I, I hope there's a good sermon that helps me today. I hope there's a life group leader that comes alongside me and offers me prayer. I hope there's an opportunity for me to respond at the front. It doesn't matter whether you're inside of a service, outside of a service, with a room full of Christians or totally on your own. We need to be responsible for leading ourselves into being fueled up again with the Holy Spirit. 
And you don't need a band. You don't need a song. You don't even need a, a Bible in front of you. You can just get before God and say, God, I'm empty. Would you fill me afresh? I'm sick of doing this in my own strength. I don't want to. I can't. Would you send your Holy Spirit to fill me again? And often the best way for us to stay fueled is to stay surrendered before God. A little bit like we read in, in the, those first few verses where David came honestly and openly before God and said, my heart's a mess, but God, would you help me to turn my life around? My heart's gone stale. Don't wait for somebody to call you out. Don't wait for somebody to challenge you and say, hey, you're not where you used to be in your relationship with God. If things gone a little bit stale with you, sometimes that happens. Sometimes God will speak prophetically and he'll lead somebody to come over to you and you're like, wow, God's speaking. But if you know this morning you're in that place of being stale or that place of being empty, lead yourself. Take responsibility for your own pursuit to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, you know this verse, some of you. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. He's saying, hey, this is a wrong pursuit for your life. There's, there's things, not just this, but there's things that can take you well away from the purposes of God. He says, get off that path. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And some of you will have heard us preach before that actually when you study that word, it's not just a one-off event. It's not be filled. It's be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Have a consistent pursuit of the things of God. Stay fueled. It's not a one-time event. It's an ongoing process. And the band can come. We're going to finish. The fourth thing this morning is this. Stay faithful. Verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I'll read it again. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Do you know, I think faithfulness is so often overlooked. That we look for the, we look for the flashy, but faithfulness is where it's at. We look for the big declarations or the high profile moments or the the opportunity to, to shine, but faithfulness is what really matters. It's one of the most significant things that you can do for the kingdom of God is stay faithful. Faithful to your pursuit of God in season and out of season. When everybody else is and when nobody else is. When it's comfortable and convenient and when it's the last thing on your mind. Stay faithful to your pursuit of God. Stay faithful to your devotion to him. Stay faithful to not getting stale, but always stay fresh. Stay faithful to each of these things, in fact, that we've talked about. I hadn't thought about that. Just to remaining fresh, to remaining focused, to remaining fueled by the Holy Spirit. Stay faithful. Even when nobody else is doing it, even when you're in a, a non-Christian home and it's a real hard thing to be able to set that time aside to pursue these things of God, even when the agendas and the busyness of work and the stresses of finance or the illness of health, stay faithful. Even when it hasn't been your, the tradition you were raised in or the custom of your household, stay faithful. Stay faithful to your pursuit because it's one of the greatest things that you can do for a long-lasting relationship with God. It's to not be flashy. It's to not just be here 
when we're having conference in a few weeks and, it's, and the building's packed with 400 people and there's incredible worship in this time and, and you're on your knees in the presence of God and that's amazing. And we pray for those moments. And that's what some of the stuff we'll be praying through through the 24 hours of prayer. But when you have a breakthrough moment in the presence of God, don't wait until there's another conference or another band. or the, Stay faithful in your pursuit. Even when it's just you in your dining room and there's nobody else around. Stay faithful. It's one of the greatest lessons you'll learn in your walk with God. And You know, for us, for me and Gail, there's, there's been times and seasons that have been higher and, and lower this year. Later this year, we'll have been leading church for 15 years, been in full-time ministry for 23 years. Obviously, we've gone on this great journey of planting churches over the 11 years. And just, just when I start to think, maybe I'm doing all right on this faithfulness. Maybe, I've, maybe, I've, maybe I can tick the box. Maybe, maybe, maybe I've made it. Then I remember some of my heroes of the faith, my grandparents. And I was sure I could get through it. Pull yourself together, my mum says. Trying to honor your parents. Who, some, something like over 65 years ago, had a Pentecostal experience of the Holy Spirit that wasn't common to their family or to their religious traditions of the day, but had a breakthrough encounter with the Holy Spirit that changed the direction of their life. that put them on a path to pursue the things of God, even when that path took them to a tiny town that nobody had heard of called Richmond, North Yorkshire. Then they led the church here for 45 years, just when you think you've got some faithfulness. 45 years. And then at that point, didn't say we're done, but continued to serve under a highly distracted pastor like me. And now, many years later, I won't name an age, but it's an age continue to pursue the things of God like age was nothing. Faithfulness will shape your pursuit of God for years and years to come. And you know what? There'll be a legacy of your pursuit. There'll be a legacy of your focus, of your pursuit of the things of God that won't just last through your lifetime, but for generations beyond. And what I love about my grandparents, and I'm trying not to give them any eye contact... <laughs> is that they weren't just um, faithful to a position, 45 years to lead a church, they weren't just faithful to a position, a title, they were faithful to a pursuit. That's what mattered. That's what was first on the agenda. Jesus first, his kingdom, his purposes. And we, when we set ourselves on a path of pursuit, it doesn't mean that everything's plain sailing. It doesn't mean it'll always be easy along the way. But it'll lead you on the most incredible path journey of your life to pursue the things of God. But we live in a world that is changing all of the time. We live in a world where something can be popular one minute and cancelled the next. Where something's the, the hype and the, and the flash and the fashion at the moment and then it's completely unpopular the next. Pursue God through all of that. No matter what society says or what's easy or what's convenient, God is looking for those who will stay faithful. Last scripture, one 1 Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord range or search throughout the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed 
to him. So God is looking for those to strengthen those whose hearts are fully devoted. David was a man after God's own heart. He was in a pursuit of God. And what Scripture is telling us is that God is looking for those who will pursue. God is not looking for those who will attend a service or even attend a conference or even attend a 24-hour prayer meeting. God is looking for those who will pursue him, who will stay fresh, stay focused, stay fueled, and stay faithful. And our pursuit of God, pursuit is never, real pursuit is never passive. It's always active. It requires something from us. So let's stand this morning. And before we worship again, let's just close our eyes right across the room. And let's allow the Holy Spirit to to guide us this morning. To fill us if that's what you need. If you know you're running on empty this morning, let's take a moment right now. Lead yourselves and just say, Holy Spirit, fill me again. Holy Spirit, fuel me again. If you know you've been like David was before this psalm was written, you've been on a path that's taken you in the wrong direction. Let's take a moment and say, God, would you forgive me from the direction that I was heading in? God, would you set my feet on a new path? Would you create in me a pure heart? If you know this morning that you're here, you're in church, and yet your heart is hard, your heart is stale, you're not active in your pursuit of God, would you say, God, would you bring some freshness to my walk with you? Would you bring some freshness to my pursuit of you? I don't want to be defined by something that happened to me. I don't want to be defined by a mistake that I made. I don't want to be defined by something that has been spoken over me. I want to live with a faithfulness in my pursuit of you. Come on, why don't you start to cry out to God for a moment this morning. Just say, God, I need more of you today. God, I need. I want to pursue you afresh this morning. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Come right now, Holy Spirit. Lord, we're longing for you to move. We're longing for you to change. We're longing for a moment in your presence right now. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. In a moment, we're going to worship, but as every head's bowed, every eye's closed in this place. Maybe you know this morning that when we've talked about being on a path towards God, that that you know if you're honest, that's not you. You might say, I've been on a path near to God, but I've been trying to keep on my own path instead of getting into a relationship with God. I've been God-adjacent, but I haven't been God-focused. And maybe you've never, for some of you, invited God into your life, or for some of you, you did, but you know you've taken a few wrong turns, and you need to realign your life with God. Well, there's nobody else looking this morning apart from the ministry team who we've asked, who we're going to offer to pray later. But if you know this morning, actually, you need to make a a moment decision to say, right now, I choose to realign my paths. Right now, I choose to come back into my pursuit of God, whether it's for the first time or the first time in a while. Would you just raise your hand and hold it high for a moment as a, as a sign, as a declaration before God of, God, I choose to pursue you. That's really good. Anybody else this morning say, yeah, this is my moment. I choose to follow God. I choose to accept him into my life. God, we want to thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, I thank you for hands raised right across the room of people who are choosing a new pursuit, choosing a new focus, being intentional not just in a moment in a service, but intentional in how they live their lives, turning their lives towards you. God, I thank you that you set our feet on a solid rock. Where things have been uncertain and things have been unstable, God, I thank you that in you we have a firm foundation. God, I thank you, the Lord, that you pull us out of the mud and the mire, where it feels like I'm being swallowed up by the mistakes I've made or I'm being swallowed up by my hurt or pain of something that happened to me. God, I thank you that you pull us out of where we are and you set our feet on a solid rock. God, would you restore to us the joy of our salvation? God, where we've lost it. God, where we've become stale and dry. God, would you restore 
awesome joy to us this morning. We're where we've run an MNT. God, would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit? God, we want to be people who are marked by our pursuit of you. And God, would you start something today that doesn't just last for a few moments, a few hours, a few days, a few weeks. God, would you start a faithful pursuit in each one of us today that marks us for generations to come. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.